The Selfish Path to Romance. Download Chapter 1 for free at drkenner.com and at amazon.com. Of course I love her, but it's a different kind of love. I mean it doesn't burn with the passion and intensity of a Tristan and Isolde. It's more comfortable, more familiar. Maris and I are old friends. We can spend an afternoon together. Me at my jigsaw puzzle, she at her auto harp. Not a word spoken between us and be perfectly content. And that is from Fraser. That is Niles talking about his incredibly unexciting relationship with his wife, Maris. And obviously, he does not have a romantic relationship with her. And what happens when you don't have a romantic relationship with your own partner for many years? What happens when you go out and someone pays a little attention to you? And they tell you you're pretty or that you're handsome, or you smell so good, or you dress so nicely. And they maybe just touch your shoulder in a way that you haven't felt in a long time. It goes through your body like electricity. And you start to feel emotionally involved with someone outside your marriage. What happens when you have an affair? And I am going to be talking today with Dr. Tiffany Kistler. She's an assistant professor of couple and family therapy at the University of Rhode Island. And she teaches courses in couple and family relationships and in sexuality and sex therapy. Uh, Dr. Kissler has published and presented at national and international conferences on her clinical research, which includes sexual functioning, relational and sexual satisfaction, something we all want, and sex therapy techniques. Dr. Kissler is the co-founder of Psych- the Psychological Centers for uh, Center, excuse me, for Sexual Health in Providence, Rhode Island. And welcome, Dr. Tiffany Kissler. Me. Oh, you're very welcome. So what can a couple learn from an affair? Assuming an affair has happened, is it possible to grow stronger as individuals from an affair? I think it, it's a question that comes up often, and you, absolutely couples can grow stronger from the affair. Um, when we look at research, about a third of people don't really recover well. A third of people stay the same, and a third of people report that not only did they recover, but they grew even stronger than before. And that's the best outcome. Yeah, absolutely. If you can use, uh, what do they call it, making lemons into lemonade? Uh, If if you can use something that is so excruciatingly painful in your life, finding out that your partner has had an affair, cheated on you, behind your back, betrayed you, how do you grow from that as an individual? What type of questions might you ask yourself? So you might ask yourself, where did we come from? So what sorts of dynamics were present in our relationship before? What was our communication like? What type of conflict resolution skills did we use? Where was the friendship? And where are we now? So as you take that journey, examining where you came from, where are we now, it can help give you a roadmap for where do you want to go next. This is a time where couples are really taking time to look into their relationship and identify changes that they want to make and oftentimes are more motivated to engage in some of these changes that they might have just taken for granted for some time. So if they just let the the relationship go on autopilot and it starts to die, this is a wake-up call. And they can actually, it sounds like what you're doing is you're helping them look at their pattern, their trajectory. Where did we start off? 
oh my God, can you remember making love in, on the porch when my parents were away? Wasn't that fun? Or in the fields under the trees? Wasn't that unbelievable? Where did that go to now? I don't want to have sex with you. You, you know, it's so boring. It's so drab. And then the affair happens and then it's a wake-up call. How did we get from holding each other's hands, looking into each other's eyes, to glaring at each other and swearing at each other? Absolutely. I think couples lose track of a lot of the strengths and the resources and those positive moments and memories that they once shared and rediscovering them again and, and reinstilling hope for the future can be very exciting. So you use it as a learning opportunity. And how do they recover trust, though? I mean, trust is, many people say, oh, just trust me. I Believe me, I'll never do it again. I promise you. I promise. I, I, you have my word. Hey, I got to interrupt this because we've got to pay some bills. 30 seconds, that's it. A very quick ad, and then Alan will be back. Romance. Ugh, I wish guys knew more about what we want from a relationship. (laughs) Boy, I wish I knew more about what I want. Where's that ad I saw? Ah, here it is. The Selfish Path to Romance. A serious romance guidebook. Download Chapter 1 for free at SelfishRomance.com and buy it at Amazon.com. Hmm, the selfish path to romance. That is interesting. How do they recover trust, though? I mean, trust is, many people say, oh, just trust me. I Believe me, I'll never do it again. I promise you. I promise. I, I, you have my word. You know, I heard Douglas Schneider, who um, is big in the field and studying affairs, once say that he uses a bank investment metaphor or maybe like a stock metaphor. So if you invest in a stock and you lose a lot of money, you're going to be hesitant to reinvest in that again. Um, Before you reinvest, you're going to want to make sure that the the factors that put it at risk are no longer present. So here we're going to apply this to the relationship. To um, reinstill trust and security, we want to examine a Again, where we came from, what were the factors that put our relationship at risk, and how can we adjust those factors so that we're no longer at risk and we feel safe investing in this for the future? So you go over specific issues that that have ruptured the relationship, and that you look at it more. I, what I'm hearing is you're not getting into you did this, no, you did this, and why did why the heck did you do this? And you're at fault, no, you're at fault. It's not the blame game. It's definitely taking a learning stance and looking at what are the factors that separated us, and what strategies can we use to rebuild, recover trust, and to recover the intimacy. And that requires time, also in order to restore that sense of predictability. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's important that we, as we're looking for what the vulnerabilities or risks were, that we don't think that that means this caused us, this caused the affair. We're not saying that in any way. But both partners contribute to the overall state of the relationship, whether it's low intimacy, high conflict, just too busy with life. So how do we take a look at that and adjust it for the future? So in terms of moving forward, I know when I've worked with so many couples who have gone through affairs, and I know you have, one of the, the worst pain is that you're living in that affair every single day. I mean, you take your kids to school or you, um, you talk with the in-laws, but the background screaming noise is, I'm in pain, I'm in pain. How do you help a person release the pain? And how do you 
help them not harangue their partner forever? Oftentimes when a, a, a affair is disclosed, the injured partner does a lot of monitoring because they're uncertain and they're so hurt. So checking phones, um, checking emails, and at some point in time, the injured partner has to eventually reduce this behavior and start to relinquish the right to keep punishing the partner. And here's where the concept of forgiveness is really important. And it's important to remember that forgiveness doesn't mean that you're saying it's okay, and it's not a one-time event, but it's a process, and it's it's kind of a release from being dominated by this hurt and these negative feelings and these behaviors that you don't want to keep doing. So a rational view of forgiveness is that it's a way for me to recognize everything that happened without whitewashing it and to move on, to not feel dominated by these horrible feelings and to learn more about myself and the relationship and to move on and maybe reconnect or maybe decide to split up and move our separate ways, but at least it will be much more knowledgeable at that point. And I don't have the right to forever continue punishing my partner, that that's not a weapon that I should always hold. I need to come to some terms with it if I'm the hurt partner, the injured the injured partner in the case of an affair. I need to figure out how to over time rebuild the trust or separate if that's the case, but not to always cast carry that urge to, to badger the person. Exactly. You can't really heal if you stay stuck in that place. Right. So you can't let the wound heal if you don't find a way to let go. Okay. And I want to thank you so much for joining us today. This is Dr. Tiffany Kistler, and you can reach her at T. Kistler, K-I-S-T-K-I-S-L-E-R at U-R-I dot E-D-U. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Tiffany. Thank you for having me. For more Dr. Kenner podcast, go to drkenner.com and please listen to this ad. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance, the serious romance guidebook by clinical psychologist Dr. Ellen Kenner. How do you make yourself worthy? Genuine self-esteem comes from relying on your power to think. Here are some examples of what that means. Taking rational action to pursue your values, not being paralyzed by fear, doubt, or guilt. Is there something that you really want in life, some rational value but are afraid to go after? Taking conscious pride in the achievements you have honestly earned. Do you ever feel unwarranted guilt about a genuine achievement or about your moral virtues? Developing your moral character. Do you lie when it's convenient? Do you routinely break promises? Working to understand yourself. Are you afraid of looking into your own mind? You can download Chapter 1 for free by going to drkenner.com and you can buy The Selfish Path to Romance at amazon.com.